Your On The Mark podcast is loading now. The On The Mark podcast is sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company, family-owned dealership since 1915, 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, on Routes 11 and 15 Hummel's Wharf. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On the Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1 800 795 9565 or email on the mark at WKOK.com. Now, here are your hosts for On the Mark Mark Lawrence and Joe McGranahan. Greetings. Welcome on board. WKOK's live telephone talk show On the Mark. I'm Mark Lawrence. Mr. Joe Lundberg is directly. There he did it again. Uh, sunny and cloudy today. May rain or if it don't snow first. I'm looking at the forecast. It says right there, Joe Lundberg. Lundberg right. Even though I know very, very well that Mr. Joe McGranahan is I'll directly. I'll be happy to give you a weather forecast. It's going to be stormy if you keep this up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's already pretty stormy around here. All right. Well, yes, Mr. Joe McGranahan is across from me, mayor of Shemokin Dam, ultra-conservative, natural-born listener, and a man with fox funnels that not only prevent him from hearing all other types of good media, but uh, add a bias so that everything that he does here is filtered through his conservative ideals. So it's a hard to get common-sense, reasonable words into his head. But well, we are what a heck of a introduction to, that is. But he's a may super... I, may I reciprocate? And Across from me is a bleeding-heart liberal who wouldn't know a good idea if it hit him in the face, but other than that, he is strikingly handsome. <laughs> and he's sucking on a cup of coffee That's at the me, moment. That's me, baby. All right. Welcome on board. We'll have open phones the first half hour of the show. Uh, at 9.06, we do news headlines. Then at 9.15, our fabulous producer, Rob Center, who just takes great care of us, is going to dial the number on the screen. And that will be Leonard Steinhorn going to check in again, and we're going to talk to him about the voter S-1 that couldn't make it out of committee in an official fashion yesterday, uh, but uh, President Biden says... It's not dead yet, so we will wait and see how he's going to try to get something through. There are some good elements that both sides agree on in that bill, and there's some things in that bill that uh, Republicans don't like. So, therefore, uh, we're going to have to get some compromise going on that in Washington. Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> well, they say they actually the working group is doing well on the infrastructure bill, but they say it will take about, at this rate anyway, eight more months to finish which their session ends soon, so that's not going to happen. Right. Well, you know, the thought that they might actually work uh, during the summer, a couple of hundred days a year is beyond beyond belief. Well, they're due in Disney World by the beginning oh, of July. Well, they should definitely be there. But they'll be back at the end of September to get some work done. I think they should go. Where's that clown school every year? <laughs> the clown school? <laughs> they teach you to be a clown? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Clouds are kind of losing their mystique. Well, in any event, we'll wait. We won't steal Leonard's thunder, but, you know, I... I I think that bill is probably better off dead at the moment. There are certainly some things they can right. agree on. And let you know why is it always so much overreach? We have to go for everything we want, uh, and, and I think the Democrats are as guilty of that as the Republicans are. 
You know, let's compromise. Let's get the things we really can agree on. Let's get those in action. Well, and I think this part of this dilemma with this particular bill is it imposes uh, national standards when up to now states have been able to impose either as relaxed or onerous or common sense or frivolous laws that they wish to related to their elections as long as, you know, it wasn't something just outright unconstitutional. It may well be unconstitutional. This may well be unconstitutional because what isn't specifically delegated to the federal government is reserved to the states, and that includes elections. Oh, in it just in the idea of imposing national standards, but there are national standards that have the states comply with. So we already know there are some guardrails for states to follow. You know, they can't just say, "Okay, we can only vote for five minutes on election day." You know, it has to be X number of hours over X number of uh, months if you're doing the pre-voting or mail-in voting or whatever it is. So there are some. Um, guidelines for them to follow. But you're right, this could be overreach. Uh, you know, you do hear talk about that. So we'll talk about that All with right. Leonard Steinhorn. Well, Maybe meantime, we've a... got terrible other stuff to talk about. All right, so let me set the table here. We and of have... course, the terrible stuff is not what you're going to talk about next, which I suspect is Sunbury Motor Company. <laughs> That's correct. Uh, yeah, let's do that right now. We'll talk about the Sunbury Motor Company. It's a family-owned dealership since 1915. 4th Street, Sunbury, Routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf. Uh, they let me drive it around in a 2021 Ford Ranger. And while I enjoyed it, it would never hold enough in the back, so we're going to have to get a Ford F-150 on order to get that going. But this particular Ranger, perfect for you, especially, Joe, like for you, you are a retiree. It's a four-door with a five-foot bed, and it's got the you know this great technology that lets you use your phone to start and stop it. Of course, it has the start-stop technology on the motor, just like the other vehicles do, and uh, your mileage is going to be a little bit higher if you take it easy on the gas, uh, Joe. You're going to get uh, 30 miles to the gallon on the highway in this vehicle. What if I don't take it easy on the gas? Well, then mm-hmm. you are going to do what uh, many people do. That's get about 24 on the highway, and well, that's good. That's good. 20 in the city. Yeah, sure. you can live with that. I can live Nothing with that. wrong with that. It's a lighter truck, too, so you, uh, it, of course, has a double set of seats for you to stuff all your uh, mini suitcases <laughs> full of coins and stamps into I the back I thought you were seat. going to say my seat is becoming twice the size it used to be. <laughs> no, your seat's the same. <laughs> you're like uh, locked in the same size and weight and stature you've been for a while now, so you're. I'm the only one that uh, fills out the Ranger in a bigger, <laughs> in a greater way, but we'll ignore that uh, trivia topic for now, but to make sure that you go to the Sunbury Motor Company, check out the Ford Ranger. It looked on the website. They do have a few of them. They got about a dozen F-150s down there, too, on the website for you to choose from, so they definitely got some vehicles uh, that are available. Oh, that Ford Ranger, less than forty grand. So how about that? Wow. That, that is okay. just a great price for... That is a ton of truck. Uh, no, Mark, it's actually two tons of truck. But in any event, yes, they would love to do you good at the Sunbury Motor Company and start out that trip at sunburymotors.com. You know, I think one of the side effects of this pandemic has been that parents are now seeing what their kids are doing in school because they've been doing it at home. And now they're taking back their school districts. And I think that's a very, very good trend, don't you? Oh, yes, it's great. We love to hear from parents. We certainly hope that they enjoy a great deal. 
deal of decorum when they're at some of these meetings, if necessary. But I guess if you... Oh, well, I think you, the rioters in Portland should have decorum, too, but they don't. Right. And they're not getting prosecuted sufficiently. You pointed that out earlier I'm this just week. saying that sometimes you always say to me, isn't there anything you feel strongly enough about to protest? Well, apparently, the, the parents in the Loudoun County, Virginia School District definitely feel that way. One person was arrested and another given a summons after a school board meeting to discuss expanded rights and protections for transgender students. The meeting descended into chaos during the public comment portion. Many parents had come to cheer on speakers who lashed out against the proposed policy, which would provide bathroom and locker room access based on a student's gender identity and prevent teachers and staff from misgendering students. For a report on this, we go to WUSA-TV's Tom Dempsey for more from CBS. Please do what you can for transgender students. They need the support now more than ever. The meeting came as the district finds itself in a court battle against a local teacher, originally put on administrative leave for controversial comments on transgender students. I wanted to take the time. The meeting brought multiple warnings about crowd reactions until... Public comment is now ended. We will move to our next agenda item. Some opponents of the transgender policies called for the ouster of some school board members. Loudoun County deputies later announced the arrest of one man for disorderly conduct and resisting arrest, while another man faced charges for trespassing after refusing to leave. At some point, the school board just ended the meeting, and then they uh, left the public in the room, but then the the people had to clear the room, and some declined to do so. And, of course, one straggler was uh, charged. As as he should have been. In other words, you cannot have a lack of decorum. You're right. You can't have a lack of decorum at these meetings. And I I admire the people who who were willing to go there and stand up for what they believe in on both sides of the issue. That's exactly what this country is intended to promote, right? Right. And I think what they, if I were the school board, what I would do is hold another public meeting. It doesn't have to be within the school board meeting, but hold another public meeting and invite, make sure that everybody who was at this meeting knows about the new meeting, and plus you can invite uh, other uh, advocates on on these issues to the school board meeting to talk about that. You can have the solicitor speak out and to talk about, you know, where the school's obligated to act in the way that they had hoped to act, and why they suspended a teacher who made inappropriate remarks about transgender students. Well, that's the debate, whether or not they were... In the right or not. Right. So right. you can have attorneys on, I guess there would be two sides to that, of course. So you can have attorneys talk about that. You can talk about other schools. Like around here, you have schools where students who uh, identify uh, as a female can use the women's bathroom at the schools. You have other schools that are making accommodations where private restrooms are made available to students, which was in, in the past in a high school was, you know, not commonly done. So I, I think there are, there's, there's some best practices that could be applied to a meeting. There's some best practices maybe some parents could probably uh, adhere to, and the uh, there's certainly outside, uh, I don't want to call them experts, but informed people who could help the community weigh in on this. But I think this is kind of like Washington. We get so entrenched we stop listening to what the other side's saying, and so we don't make any progress. Well, the, the first half dozen speakers were in support of the policy proposal 8040, but fireworks erupted when the 7th, who identified 
identified herself as the mother of a transgender Loudoun student, was booed after saying that hate was dripping from the followers of Jesus in this room. A swipe at Christian parents in the district who have argued that transgender discussions should be held at home and not in the public schools. So, in other words, how what are we teaching? We're, we're telling teachers, uh, many laws are being enacted. We discussed yesterday when we couldn't get a f- people to phone in uh, because our system was because out. technical, yeah. Right. We talked about the fact that there are a number of laws um, being proposed that would stop teachers from talking about their personal opinions in schools and from expressing their personal opinions or posting signs about political beliefs they might have. In the, the case we cited yesterday, it was a Black Lives Matter poster that apparently was designed by the school board after the school board decided that they weren't going to post political things in their classrooms. So, I mean, exactly what should we be teaching in schools? You know, I always like the basics, reading, writing, arithmetic. That's what I pay my tax dollars to teach kids. I don't want the school district to be responsible for their moral upbringing. I don't want the school district to be responsible for uh, what kind of values they they identify. I mean, you, you can teach a kid what's right and what's wrong and in basic terms. But when it comes to things that are social in nature... Doesn't that belong in the home? Isn't that where it's proper to receive the instruction? Well, the I parents, parents have the right provide. to teach their kids whatever they want, don't they? Right. Well, parents can provide context. Well, that's true. They can try to teach the kids whatever they want, but the kids are often smart enough to know that if a parent tries to mm-hmm. teach them the world's flat, the parents <laughs> might uh, recognize that that's not true. You but mean I, the, stu- the students or the children might recognize right, that. Right. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> um, but I, I think there's really three levels to this argument that uh, all of which can begin at home in terms of conversation. One is what you teach, and that's what you're talking about. You know, is there some way to objectively teach? If you are a black individual, and this is um, citing an actual case here, not just making one up, if you're a black individual and the students ask your personal opinion about things related to race or, race or Black Lives Matters, I think the black teacher should be able to do so. And that's from Carlisle. Right, with, with the disclaimer that the individual says, well, this is my personal opinion and not the Carlisle School District's view on this topic. Well, in and fairness to that teacher, she always made it clear that she was speaking for herself and not the Carlisle School District. So I think she did it the right way. If the kids ask a teacher a question like that in school, teacher happens to be a black person or whether it's a transgender person perhaps teaching in the school, whatever. If the students ask them a question and they specify that it's their opinion and not the school district's opinion and that, you know, there may be other people who view this differently than me, but here's what I think. I've got no problem with that. I think that's how people learn, isn't it? Well, it is. And I think uh, in the past in schools, I remember when I was in high school, you would have uh, the teachers would bring in various experts that were related to fields, you know, different fields and so on. If it was science, you'd bring in a scientist. If it was politics, you might bring in a state lawmaker that related to something. Or if it was, I guess, government would be the overall subject, you know, or if it was something that was related to art, you'd get to see and hear from an artist who could talk at the schools. That's the way we did it at Chickalemi. Of course, that was only 60 short years ago. But in any event, but so that relates to the teaching. The second thing relates to school board policies as it relates to restrooms. You know, students should be able to use the restroom of their gender identity. We know that's true. We know that it doesn't. Now, why do we know that's true? I'm just curious. That's well, we what you that believe. That's I mean, not necessarily... Safe. The students don't mind. There's no sexual aspect to it. There's, it's not a mental health But do you see why some parents might object to that? Absolutely. I, I get that. So, that's, so what are their rights? I'm just where, saying, where do their rights 
fights end and the other persons begin or where whatever. Well, as far as the parents? Yeah. Well, the parents can talk should to they their, be heard? their students. Or should they just be ignored and told that, you know, hey, we're going to let these kids go into the restroom of their choice no matter what? Yes, parents who are wrong should be ignored. That's the, <laughs> that's the way out of this. No matter which side of the issue you're on, if you find somebody that is wrong, you should ignore them. No, but I'm just saying there's three levels of this. One is what you teach. Two is the restroom aspect of this that has popped up in Loudoun County and uh, was widespread within the U.S. about a year ago. Year ago Not right. super heavy it debate It seems to be right coming now. back up again. And the other thing comes from uh, pronouns that uh, teachers use. We had a teacher at the Sealands Grove School District who would not use the pronouns of a student who had, had ma- was male at birth but uh, became a transgender girl and was accepted by many people except one teacher uh, would call this teacher or would call this student who had changed her name to Aaron uh, would still call uh, her Robert. And, you know, that that's, I, I just think that's ignorant. It should be illegal, and the school district rightly took action. So I just think, you know, so those are some of the three levels, uh, personal comments from a teacher, restroom policy or school board policy in general, teaching, the Black Lives Matter poster, you know, so but our schools are definitely a, a place where these issues are being uh, talked about. I realize it's a touchy issue, but, you know, depending on, what the the teacher has in front of them. If the school district says that the student's name was Robert, you know, and that's how they registered in school, then why shouldn't they be called Robert? Well, the, but by the time this teacher met the student, the rosters had the the girl's name Aaron on it, and um, the student was dressed, appeared, acted, spoke, and, and participated in girls' activities, and was a female. But the teacher happened to knew know because of previous contacts that uh, she uh, was Robert in the middle school. But by the time she got to the high school, uh, had uh, figured out how to transition and did so successfully. It was accepted by her family and friends and many others, but the teacher was opposed to that and so called her Robert. And well, that's a personal thing. Right. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, well, but I'm just saying a... pronouns and names and mentions are you know, also part of this But should somebody discussion. be fired for that? In other words, if I believe that this is wrong... Fired, that seems extreme for well, a teacher that won't call what, a student what by do you, the correct name. What do you do then well, I, if I, they won't modify their no, behavior? How do you discipline a teacher? I don't know, but they, if they have tenure, it's difficult. But I mean, and if there's no policy in the school district's manual that says teachers must address people by the pronoun mm-hmm. they prefer, what if I have in transition and I want you to call me Miriam or Hilda? You know, does that, um, <laughs> are you going to do that? Are we going to have everybody deciding what the teacher's going to call them? Well, I, I don't know the policy in great enough detail to answer that question, but I know that there are policies that relate to this. All right, All right we got one caller ready. We'll take another one, 1-800-795-9565. You can email us at onthemark at WKOK.com and text us at 70236. Include the keyword OTM. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. 
The SMC Way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC Way. The SMC Way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Welcome back. WKOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the mark. 1-800-795-9565. we got one caller waiting. We'll take another one. 1-800-795-9565. We're talking about teaching in the classroom. How far can the teacher go? Or when do they have to identify their personal opinions? Uh, policies from school boards related to transgender and uh, proper use of pronouns is uh, part of this discussion as well. Transgender kind of the through line through uh, part of this. But race entered into part of the school board policy issue. one Eight hundred seven nine five nine five six five. Dan, you're on the mark. Thanks for waiting through the break. You're on the mark. Hey, good morning, guys. Well, to me, it's really hard to believe how the public school system changed. It's sixty years that I crossed the path into high school. How how ideals have changed. My teachers, half of them were. Uh, veterans from WW2 that went to school in the GI Bill and there was no fooling around in class (laughs) and they were teaching you know not a political agenda if anything it led towards conservatism and patriots for the country but now just the just a couple years ago, talked to some relatives in school. Their kids are about, they were about 10, age 10, one was a little younger. We were talking, I was, you know, talking about how good a job President Trump was doing. And we were talking there, and the kids chimed in they said Trump's bad he's no good and uh, one of their parents said where did you learn that they said our teacher told us our teacher said that and that's part of the agenda that's in the public school the teachers today were taught liberal universities they were you know liberal arts courses most of them graduated from and got their bachelor degree and probably most have a master's but they're they were all brought up in their liberal agenda what's being taught in the university and they're bringing it right down to the school level and apparently even to the grade school level level and that's a big difference from the time I was in school. I believe the public schools were doing a great job in my day. We didn't come out with an agenda, you know. But if Today, the teachers... they're coming out with an agenda, and the stuff that's being taught on sex education, I never heard of till I got out of high school, to be honest with you the stuff they're teaching at the lower levels. And that's the very reason that Christian schools are growing 
And I honestly believe that if Christians could afford a born-again group, that every one of their kids would go to a Christian school, if but not all of us are rich enough to do that, because you have to pay that out of your own pocket. That's why I'm for vouchers, a very... That'll change the attitude, or else it'll they'll have to straighten up, or there won't be any public schools left. Well, you mentioned that your early teachers were conservative, so were they not passing on conservative ideals to students? I mean, you mentioned that in your view, things well, have switched, gone full back, circle. Looking back at it, Mark, I at the time I didn't know a conservative from a liberal. But let's put it, they probably were middle of the road. Oh, okay. I think they were <laughs> like, they didn't, I never, I know President Nixon, or Nick, not President, but Nixon was running against Kennedy, and not one, I never heard one of my teachers say, you should vote for one or the other. They didn't have an agenda, and I you know, like being taught today, we didn't even have sex education in the classroom in them days. But there were teachers, Dan, who did that, notably in our area, and, and he was a, a friend of mine, and I, I had the world of respect for him. He taught civics at Shikalimi, and he uh, he was a conservative politically in every sense of the word, and he let his students know that. All right, we have to move on, Dan. We'll give you a 10-second yeah, retort. I, I think I know who you were talking about. I heard he used to write a lot of articles in the Sunbury Item, which were really great. Right. Anyway, okay, we got to yeah. take another guy. Thank you so much, Thanks, Dan. Dan. Thank, you. Thank, you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Dick, sorry to make you wait. Go ahead. You're on the mark. You get a minute. That's, that's okay. I was just listening to Dan. We're pretty much the same age, and and if, if and I grew up in that era too. When our, our teacher schools were kind of like that, but you know, there was also segregated schools in the South. True. So things have changed, and there was there was no we hadn't even been on the moon back then. So what I'm trying to say, there's been a lot of changes in the last 60, 70 years. Well, yes, yeah, schools have we changed. Should, we, we could stand still. People could go back to the pioneer days when it was different, too. Well, yeah, but is it, pro- is it progress to have teachers expressing their personal opinions in school well, and trying to indoctrinate students? Things are going to change. And I was going to ask you, too, Joe. So let's say your son or daughter changed, changed their uh, gender and went to school, and you would be okay with a teacher calling them by uh, Richard or Bill or whatever, and, and they, they were now uh, self-identified as a female? You'd be fine with that? That's a tough question to answer. I don't well, you, know. But you, 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 you made it sound like it was the teacher had the right to do that when you're with your comments. I'm asking if the, if the teacher has the right. Should the teacher be disciplined for doing but, that? But it's I'm a personal belief. You, what if it was your son or daughter? How would you, would you, you think you'd have the same outlook about that? That's all I'm asking you. And I'm telling you, I'm not certain how I would react. You're not. I'm not. Well, you probably would have a different, different slant on it if it was your son or daughter. That's, my, that's all I'm telling you. No, all I'm right. not certain about that, but you, you may be right. Thank you, Dick. Thanks for calling in. Appreciate that. We will enjoy... If Dick wants another minute, he can call back. Headlines. Oh, more than a minute. More than a minute. He only had a minute. Um, what are we going to do? We're going to have this news headlines. WKOK Sunbury. And then Leonard Steinhorn. Yeah, Joe's right. This is WKOK Sunbury. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On the Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1-800-795-9565 or email onthemark at wkok.com. Now, here are your hosts for On the Mark, 
Mark Lawrence, and Joe McGranahan. Greetings. Welcome on board. WKOK's live telephone talk show on the mark. I'm Mark Lawrence. I put the lines on busy. We're going to do news headlines. Then it'll be time for Leonard Steinhorn. Uh, Mr. Rob Center's going to call him up, so that'll be a great help to us. And we'll talk to Leonard Steinhorn about Senate Bill 1, which couldn't make it uh, to the floor for an official vote yesterday, thanks to the filibuster rule. And Republicans got their way, as predicted. All Republicans voted no on that, so we'll discuss the implications going forward. President Biden says he's not done yet. So and we'll talk to Leonard Steinhorn about that at 9.15 this morning. On the mark, sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company, please do as I've done. Order vehicles at sunburymotors.com or check out all the vehicles online at WKOK.com and the Sunbury Motor Company's website, sunburymotors.com. They would just love to super serve you down there. Uh, we will have open phones at about 9.25 this morning, so memorize the number if you need to, 1-800-795-9565. We've spoken earlier this morning about uh, school board policies as it relates to transgender and a big public meeting where lots of folks had strong opinions uh, by all accounts on both sides of important issues in schools. And so we can continue that uh, discussion as well. You are welcome to email us at onthemark at wkok.com and you can text us at 70236 include the keyword OTM. Some very brief news headlines here. Two new COVID-19 deaths have been reported in the Valley, but case counts locally and statewide remain low. In their daily update Tuesday, State Department of Health reported two deaths in Northumberland County, now with 360 deaths since the start of the pandemic. Also in Tuesday's update, the state said there were 177 new cases, but just three new cases locally. 397 people still in the hospital because of the diseased. Geisinger Danville has 10 in Evangelical Community Hospital, too, and 100 or so folks got the jab yesterday, got at least one of the vaccine doses. Northumberland County ex- uh, administered, or Northumberland County residents received 67 more of those uh, doses. At the Danville High School, something's working. It's the suicide prevention group that's run entirely by students like this one. Started off with fundraising, and a lot of the community came out and showed up. We've had like over like 200 some people at each event. A lot of them were willing to help us. We got Guy Singer to help us, and all these other places around us to help us because they loved that we were trying to make a positive community. And that is Lindsay Kashner, one of the smartest girls in the world, uh, going off to the U.S. Air Force now that she has graduated. But she was group secretary for the Students Preserving Mental Health, which has been supported by BHARP and CMSU and the school district itself and their advisor and many people in and around the community. Students Preserving Mental Health started as a suicide prevention fundraiser. Carl Nossip is his jersey selling like hotcakes. Of course, he's a former Penn Stater, now an NFL player, came out as gay this week. Now Fanatics reports that his jersey is one of the hottest selling in the NFL. He also announced uh, when he came out that he's donating $100,000 to the Trevor Project for LGBTQ youth. It's uh, Nassib, by Nassib. the way. Nassib. Oh, thank you. Sorry about <laughs> that. I keep, I'm, I'm terrible at this. Like, like he's nasty. 
nasty. If you knew how many times he repeated that name over here trying to get it right during the break. Right. <laughs> it's like Ted Baxter on the Mary Tyler Moore show trying to pronounce the Japanese prime minister's name. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, it was the same thing. And then I turn on the microphone, and, you and I don't say Nassib. Okay. Thank you. I do appreciate that, Rob. Uh, let's see. In Harrisburg now, comprehensive election reform bill there is on its way to the state Senate. Republicans hope they can get some veto-proof margins. The legislation, among other things, would add restrictions to mail-in voting, allow for early in-person voting, cut off voter registration earlier, and require voters to show an ID at the polls. Representative Seth Grove voted for the bill. This is a solid election reform bill, which simply ensures it is easier to vote and harder to cheat. But Representative Margot Davidson opposed the bill. It'll make it easier for the GOP to cheat and harder for voters to vote. This bill, which had no bipartisan input, will rightfully be vetoed by our governor. While he supports some elements of the bill, Governor Wolf has said the negatives outweigh the positives. Mark Sims, News Radio 1070 WKOK. Wow, looks like we could do some compromise in Harris. No, just just kidding. <laughs> Little joke there. Yes. Hey, finally, we talked about a school district that was very interested in eliminating all references to the precise reason for a holiday or for a day off on their school calendar. They got tired of the arguments that were related uh, for, to changing Columbus Day to Indigenous Peoples Day, so they changed all of the school calendar days uh, to just day off. Well, there is an update from New Jersey. They got handed their hats. Columbus Day is back on the school calendar in Randolph, New Jersey, after parents vented and fumed at a school board meeting. In May, the board changed Columbus Day to Indigenous Peoples Day due to the explorers' treatment of natives. Parents bristled at the change. Italian-Americans took offense. The board then removed all holiday names. The calendar simply noted, Day Off. Out came the pitchforks. I respectfully and respectfully urge you to step down. Thank you. The school board had a change of heart. It restored the old calendar, including Columbus Day. Sean Adams for CBS News, Randolph, New Jersey. All right. People taking back their schools. So Columbus Day is back on the All calendar. Right. We need somebody who's killed hundreds of thousands of uh, indigenous people in the U.S. to be honored and raised up <laughs> when the opportunity, and enslaved many of them as well, and stole their gold. So, But other than that, I'll tell you what, salute <laughs> to Mr. Columbus. All right, in case you live in a cave, you might not know this, Republicans. Maybe you should go back to a cave. <laughs> Thank you. In Harris or check that Washington, D.C. Republicans Tuesday blocked the procedural vote to advance the sweeping voter reforms in the U.S. Senate, sinking the Democrats' hope to begin debate on their landmark legislation. It's been a topic of much discussion. Oh, we are so glad that uh, he's going to become the WKOK correspondent shortly. We'll have to strike the CBS analyst uh, remark from it. <laughs> Leonard Steinhorn is back and third time in 10 days, and we just really, really, really appreciate you making yourself available. Educator at Columbia University and CBS analyst. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Leonard. Hey, good morning. Erp, I think I put you in the wrong school. American University. There you go. We'll, we've got to get that right. Okay, so 50-50 vote. This falls short of the 60 votes needed to overcome the filibuster. So, But this is not the end of it. Uh, tell us where there's room for compromise or kind of look at what are the ways forward here. Well, honestly, I'm not so sure there are a lot of ways forward for the Democrats in particular because Mitch McConnell and the Republicans have pretty much said uh, that any federal bill dealing with the elections 
is not going to happen with their, you know, caucus. So if you need those uh, 60 votes to overcome a filibuster and even have a debate on a bill, uh, it seems like it's not going to happen. Now, there may be some interest in restoring some aspects of the voting rights bill that the Supreme Court struck down uh, almost a decade ago, uh, but even that may face some resistance among most Republicans. So there are a couple of Republicans who have expressed interest in restoring that. But in terms of the core provisions of the bill that was put forth uh, last night, uh, most of them aren't going to happen. But Joe Manchin from West Virginia still wants to come up with a compromise, and his compromise really takes some of those uh, provisions, such as 15 days of early voting, automatic registration uh, for people uh, when they have when they get a driver's license or go to a state office uh, and register for anything, uh, ending gerrymandering and basically having all states use independent commissions uh, uh, to be able to redraw their congressional districts, uh, making Election Day a public holiday, much like, as you were talking about, Columbus Day. So Election Day, honoring our democracy, would be a public holiday. And what it would also do is include a voter ID uh, a provision uh, that would allow people to use a utility bill if they don't have a photo ID, but basically says voter ID, which is something the Democrats don't want, but a lot of them are willing to sign on to it as a compromise. But even that compromise bill, Mitch McConnell said, not going to happen. So uh, you'd have to imagine that even any attempt to compromise here is going to be pretty much met with a solid block of Republicans and keep it from those 60 votes needed to overcome a filibuster. Is there any reasonable measure that could be agreed upon by the Republicans in Washington as it becomes to maybe a best practice or even maybe just a recommendation of a best practice from Washington for voting in elections? Well, we haven't seen it yet, um, at least something that the Republicans are willing to embrace. Their argument is that uh, elections are state issues, uh, not federal issues, and that's why the uh, Congress shouldn't be passing anything like this. So uh, I doubt that there's going to be something that, that will appeal to enough of them to overcome a filibuster. I think one of those sort of more concerning aspects that hasn't been talked about are some of these bills that have passed in some states, you know, sort of like Georgia, um, which basically allows partisan legislators in the state uh, to be able to override uh, the independent uh, election officials and, and remove them from their positions and potentially overturn an election. And you have to think about the consequences of something like that when you dial back to the 2020 election and what happens if a highly partisan state legislature, which has gotten to be so partisan because of gerrymandering, uh, which the, which uh, happens throughout so many states, if a highly partisan state legislature decides to seize power and not accept the results of the election and claim without any evidence that there's fraud, imagine what could have happened in a number of states uh, in the 2020 election if Joe Biden would have won the presidency nationwide by seven-plus million votes and still perhaps might have lost the presidency. If you want a recipe for chaos in this country and for undermining democracy, that's it. 
Well, we've had that, of course, in a few elections in this country where the uh, popular vote didn't go to the person who wound up being president. But go back to Article 1, Section 4 of the Constitution that says the times, places, and manner of holding elections for senators and representatives shall be prescribed in each state by the legislature thereof, but the Congress may at any time by law make or alter such regulations. Now, isn't that setting up a, a, a circus, really? of bouncing back and forth, and and isn't this ultimately going to have to be decided at the Supreme Court level? Well, it could be. The Supreme Court was uncomfortable with a number of the challenges from the Trump campaign uh, in you know uh, during this last election and wanted to kick it back uh, to the states, and that's what's actually happening is you know, sort of kicking it back to the states. But Congress can set standards on some of these things. Congress, for example, can have a, a national public holiday for Election Day. That wouldn't necessarily be up to the states if it's a federal holiday um, uh, for Election Day. Uh, so there are certain things that Congress can do um, that, uh, uh, you know, sort of can override some of the states, let's say. But, again, this isn't to say that the states shouldn't administer their own elections, but it does say that when federal elections are involved, Congress does have an interest in something like that. Um, but uh, you're right that there were any number of times in our history, you dial back to 2016 or to the year 2000, when uh, the person who won the majority nationwide um, uh, uh, lost uh, the Electoral College and therefore lost the presidency. The difference now is that um, some of the partisan state legislators want to override the will of the people if they don't get what they want. And in effect, that is a recipe for basically saying, people, you vote, it doesn't matter. If we have the power, we can choose who becomes president of the United States. And that's a, a step far beyond of what we've had in the past where somebody who's won the popular vote nationwide has lost the Electoral College. Well, if Samuel J. Tilden had been a different kind of person, we might have had rioting in the streets back in the late 1800s. But, you know, the president of the United States coming out and saying that the election was a fraud, I think is very troubling. And uh, I'm a Republican and a conservative, but I think Donald Trump went way overboard there. I don't think there was any evidence to show that the election was rigged. But still, we all have a vested interest in making sure that there are common sense regulations that assure that only people qualified to vote, legally qualified, actually do it. And it seems to me like the Republicans are going too far toward tightening it up, and the Democrats don't want it tightened up at all. So, I mean, really, to me, it's just hypocrisy. They're talking out of both sides of their mouth, and nobody really wants to solve the problem. Well, I think this is where the Mansion bill is interesting, because he has been willing to come out and say there should be you know, voter ID nationwide um, when you're dealing with federal elections. What he's arguing is that it doesn't necessarily have to be photo ID, that if you have a utility bill, uh, that should be sufficient. So that's one way to address some of those concerns. But let's also go back to some of the studies that have gone on on voter fraud. It's very, very minimal. The Bush administration did a whole commission on voter fraud that came up with barely no evidence of that. The Trump administration had a, uh, its own commission on voter fraud, and it disbanded without any evidence. So, yeah, there may be cases here and there, but never any sorts of cases. Even uh, former Attorney General Bill Barr said nothing to change the outcome of these elections. So, yes, there's going to be fraud in everything in life, unfortunately, and there are going to be dishonest people. But there is no real evidence that, that, that voter fraud exists to any level that it has had an impact on, ele on, on elections. So what happens is that when people claim voter fraud, voter 
voter fraud and use that as sort of the fig leaf for some of these bills, um, you're basically creating a problem that doesn't exist and creating a solution for it that may be partisan motivated. So I think to some extent we have to go with the evidence about what has existed and what the problem has been, and there hasn't been a problem on this. So why are these bills coming up the way they are? Well, Tracy Campbell wrote a great book called Deliver the Vote. Don't know if you've read it or not, but it's worth reading. And he talks about it's all about election fraud in this country from the very foundings of our republic. So, I mean, this is not something new. It's something that's been going on for years. The question becomes what what the extent of it is and what we do in a serious manner to control it. Yeah, I agree with that, and I think your your point about the extent of it is important, and that's why you can go back to all of these studies that have been done and what administrations that have been gone looking for it have found, which has not been all that much. I think there's another issue that we all have to uh, think about, which is that I was on a conversation yesterday with a very, very conservative uh, member of Congress, and she made a good point that one of the sort of great things about our history from day one is that we have a country where the people decide who their leaders are. But what worries me is not uh, is sort of the opposite: is that instead of uh, people and the voters choosing their leaders, what we're increasingly seeing is politicians choosing their voters. And if you find ways to limit the types of people who can vote by sort of subtle and very clever ways and with gerrymandering if you can basically choose the voters who elect you so that you can have a state that may be 50 50 for example you look at pennsylvania your state pretty much a a purple state divided 50 50 it can go republican one year democratic another year but the vote is very very tight and very very close but if you look back before the courts got involved you had out of 18 congressional districts, because of gerrymandering, you had 13 Republican members of Congress and five Democrats. So in effect, the politicians are choosing their voters. So in a, if you have independent commissions like you do in California, choosing their, uh, these uh, congressional districts and state districts, you might actually have a chance for the will of the people to be more reflected in their representatives. And what concerns me on some of these bills is that voter, that, that politicians are increasingly finding ways to choose their voters. In my view, just as onerous is restrictive voter ID laws. What's your view on this? This uh, idea that Republicans use uh, strict voter ID laws so that they can eliminate some of the votes. There's some people they don't want voting. Well, again, there's been some research that suggests that particularly photo ID does have an impact on minority voters uh, uh, because, you know, you see the numbers and there are far more, let's say, African-Americans in our country uh, proportionately who don't have driver's licenses. Imagine lots of people who live in cities and who depend on mass transit or people who just can't afford it. Now, there are plenty of white people without photo IDs, but disproportionately it does affect uh, black people and minorities. Um, but uh, so the question it becomes, uh, you know, is, is that an issue? Well, this is where the mansion uh, idea comes through, which is to say, look, you know, all you need is something showing your ID, let's say a bank statement or a utility bill, and that should suffice. But there's also mischief. For example, in Texas, um, one of the forms of photo ID that works okay with the state is if you have a gun permit. But if you're a college student with a photo ID and uh, uh, for your for attending University of uh, Texas, uh, let's say in Austin, that doesn't work. So why does a college ID not work, but a um, 
a gun permit work? Well, some would argue that it's because the people in the Texas legislature are discriminating in terms of voter IDs to see which IDs are more favorable to their party uh, than not. So, again, all sorts of mischief can get in what seems to be neutral laws and neutral language um, that ultimately could suppress the vote among some groups and uh, allow more of the vote among other groups. And that's really not how our democracy should work. Bottom line is, and I, I agree, we should be very vigilant about fraud, but we should really make sure that we open the opportunity to vote for every person in this country, because that's what our system is based on. Voters should be choosing their leaders and politicians, not the opposite. May I borrow your power bill for a couple of hours so I can go vote, Leonard? <laughs> Listen, I, I agree with you. I mean, I, I think that the Republicans in some instances have thrown up some rather bizarre roadblocks, and that Texas issue that you mentioned is certainly one of them. But if there is a federal standard for identification, I don't see anything wrong with photo ID as long as you can get a photo ID. And, I mean, there are restrictions and everything. If I want to drive, I've got to take a test. If I want to vote, I have to have a photo ID. It doesn't seem like that's such a stretch to me. Well, it doesn't in theory, but when you have some state legislatures basically uh, reducing the number of places where people can get IDs, so that's happened in certain states, and it particularly hits uh, minority communities the worst, because some they've limited the hours where you can get an ID, even if you choose not to drive. Um, they've made it. Uh, they've made fewer locations available to people. Um, so the point is that, yeah, in theory, if we had sort of on every main street and every community access to these uh, uh, photo IDs in one form or fashion or another, whether you drive or not, that would be great. But if part of the process is that you limit the number of places and number of hours and make it so too far for people to get them, then, yeah, in theory it sounds great to have photo IDs that anybody can get, but in practice it may actually be uh, discriminatory against certain groups of people. So, again, the devil is always in the details on these bills, and that's what you have to be able to think about by diving in and seeing really what's going on and what the motivation is behind it. And don't trust Republicans. That's my motto. But that's don't just, trust the Democrats. That's my shtick on the show, <laughs> and I'm sticking with it. Thank you so much, Leonard. Always appreciate it. Just fabulous answers, and we great. really appreciate your insights. Great to have you hey, on. Always my pleasure. You guys are great. Thanks a lot. Thank you very much. Take care. So we'll talk to Leonard Steinhorn again, CBS News analyst, uh, educator at American University Communications uh, Department. That's where he teaches, but uh, very closely following and interested in uh, history and the history of race and elections and voting in the U.S. and constitutional uh, trends and laws and so on. So we appreciate talking to him. All right. We are going to open up the phone, so we would invite your remarks or retort to something maybe you heard or you wish to endorse something. Thing he said, or, or you can talk about the subject, subjects we talked about earlier. We talked about school boards and school districts and parents who wish to really speak out in an adamant way on uh, both sides of important issues involving their young people. Give us a call. Now is the chance. 1-800-795-9565. Uh, you can text us at 70236. We would love to hear from you. Call us now. 
When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. All right, got two calls coming in, two calls waiting. One of our listeners uh, come, came up with a bit of a solution. Go ahead, Yes, Joe. Mike Boley has an interesting idea. Mike says, what is really needed is a federal voter ID number issued to citizens only. College ID does not prove residency. Right, That's anybody can get a college ID. <laughs> You just have to pay tuition. Yeah, to right, go to well, college, I would have think. Well, that's true, too. <laughs> One, that's, that's based on getting signed up. They could not possibly care less where you're from. 1-800-795-9565 is our telephone number. Stan has been waiting. Go ahead, sir. You're on the mark. Good morning. So uh, the, for the people which should have been labeled for the Democrats in power in perpetuity wall <laughs> is how it should have been labeled, which would have been more... Uh, objective uh, went down in temporary defeat because we all know how the Democrats play the game. Okay, they want to <laughs> bring in they you know they want to stop the filibuster you know that that's you know so the tyranny of the majority will go against you know the people. It's nothing for the people. Isn't, the, isn't far, there something about majority ID, rule in the U.S.? Isn't there something about majority rule in the U.S.? Hey, or? the Democrats used the filibuster to stop every piece of civil rights levis legislation that was ever introduced back in the 40s and 50s and 60s. Right, then they Absolutely. saw the light. Absolutely. Without the Republicans, it would have never went through. Good for them. Just remember that. And now look now, at them. They've turned their tide just the other opposite way. Yeah, you know, it goes both ways, doesn't it? Yeah. So, as far as voter ID, you know, they say, well, we could use an electric bill or something like that to, to prove who you are. Well, I'm sorry, but illegal aliens here in this country for who knows how long have established themselves and have probably got electricity and have electricity bills, along with legal immigrants that are not legal to vote. Now, if you have some, you know, dishonest ones of them, they could just say, oh, here, I got an electric bill. I can vote because I can prove who I am. Doesn't make a lot of sense, does it? Because if you go get a photo ID, you have to prove who you are and that you're a citizen before you get that ID. True. Right. We should make it difficult, expensive, and hard for people to get those I didn't IDs. I say expensive, Mark. <laughs> it, it, it should be. It should be. You know, not necessarily difficult, difficult, real hard, but it shouldn't be a, an easy task where you get on your phone and go, "Hey, I'm Joe Blow. I want to get registered <laughs> to vote. Here I am." And you I can't, a... <laughs> and you don't prove anything. And that's what they were talking about in this. 
you know, congressional H-1 and S-1 bill. But you know what I don't... allow people to register. What I don't hear is the argument when it comes to driving, that uh, minority people don't have cars, therefore we should buy them a car so they can have something to drive. <laughs> or that, you know, that, that they have to go take a test and prove that they're proficient in uh, knowing the laws and being able to m- operate the vehicle. Those are onerous qualifications for driving, but we all somehow manage to fa- fulfill them if we want to drive. You lost me at minority people, but anyway, go ahead, Stan. Well, I, <laughs> <laughs> well and you're right, Joe. And, and as far as, you know, the motor voter law, that's the biggest scam that was ever perpetrated on this country. Because anybody, you know, the states that are allowing illegal to get driver's license don't necessarily prove who they are. Because how can they? They're illegals. They have no legitimate paperwork in this country. So, but they still get a driver's license. And if you're in the wrong state and you got corrupt people working in those offices, they can get registered to vote. And they have. So where's the sense in that? All right, Stan, we've got callers waiting. We'll give you the last word. Go right ahead. Well, it was a good day yesterday. Republicans were smart and stood up for what needed to be done. They stopped this, you know, you know, you know. Terrible well, law. And yeah, terrible. Terrible is the right word. It's not even strong enough, but they stopped that for now. It's for now. Because right. they'll come back with it. They'll try something else, and they'll try and get rid of the filibuster so that they can ram all their stupid stuff through. But time will wait. Time, time will tell. Right. We'll just have to wait and see. There's some congressional elections are next year. You have to wait to cast your ballot for that stand. Just wait, will you? Oh, I know. I know. Well, you know, and that's the other thing. This early voting stuff. And an election holiday, you know, election day holiday, it ain't making it harder to vote. You know, they talk about Georgia all the time. Georgia actually has more, you know, early voting days than some of these other states, especially like Delaware and Colorado and all the ones that they say are so super duper. So, you know. I, I right. don't want to hear it. There's All one right. election day, and that's the only day it should be people out voting. Thank period. you, Stan. Thank Fair you, enough. sir. Thank you, Stan. Yep, appreciate Thanks. your time. Thank you. Uh, Tom, you are on the mark. Go right ahead. You have the floor. Yeah, it's it's too bad that you guys couldn't get Leonard Steinhorn on there every day instead of Joe and, and, and uh, Ben. <laughs> I mean, there's, that there's t- a guy that... That, I mean, he's been on every time. I agree with him 100% and everything. That guy is very reasonable. Well, he's and also Joe liberal. Tries, Joe tries to get, get <laughs> tries to get gotchas on him. I'm trying to get a gotcha oh, on him. We're just discussing with Dr. Yeah, Steinhorn. You, do. you try to get gotchas on him. And as soon as he hangs up, what did you say just a little bit ago? He was talking about, about how they move these places where you get... Uh, identification and stuff out and then right away when he hangs up you say well we ought to buy the poor people cars i mean you're, that's you're not really, what i said that's not at all what i really, said you're really ridiculous joe tom you you, I mean, you, you need to, to hear you, you need to listen and listen to leonard steinhorn and you need to listen and, to what and, people and, and actually practice. say you need to listen to what people actually say. Yeah, I think I always make fun of Joe because he has Fox funnels. But what we don't point off enough is that we all have some kind of funnel that filters out everything that we hear, and so Tom's that it is, comes through as a uh, it, I mean, he, so that Tom's matches our CNN bias. Funnel makes yours look tiny by comparison. <laughs> yeah, I'm completely unbiased. I was drawing a parallel, Tom, between the fact that uh, people who are minorities they say they can't get a photo ID. I said, well, what if they can't? They they want to drive and they don't have a car and they can't get a license and they have to take a test. I mean, I was just drawing a parallel. I wasn't saying anybody should buy people cars. 
right. All right. Well, thank <laughs> you. Now, now, this year, this this thing here with this this uh, filibuster is just ridiculous. You know, I know when the framers, when the people that wrote up all this stuff, how the country was going to run, they didn't want the little states to be run over. But this is totally ridiculous. Right now, and it's been going on a long time, and then with this gerrymandering, it even makes it worse, you have the minority leading the majority right now. The minority is telling the majority what to do, and that's what? no good. All right. Thank I you, Tom. But, that's, but that, where, where, you did you got even... a little state like Wyoming that has 640,000 people, which has basically no infrastructure in, in comparison to, like, California and New York and mm -hmm. these big cities. They have no infrastructure at all. And they're stopping infrastructure bills. I mean, it is totally, totally ridiculous and totally out of hand what is going on here. They need to get rid of this... this this uh, filibuster, the the, minority, the majority is supposed to lead the minority, not the other way around, and that's the way it is right now. It's totally ridiculous. Did you feel that way about it when the Democrats were using the filibuster, as they have so often and so many times? Yes, I think the filibuster needs to go. Okay, well then you're at least it, being the, the balanced. Does, Pennsylvania doesn't use it. It's a federal thing. How would thing. you like it if Pennsylvania had it? How would you like it if Pennsylvania had it and the Democrats stopped everything the Republicans wanted to do? Thank heaven. It would probably be better. <laughs> I mean, it's, it, is totally, it is totally ridiculous, totally out of hand, and it is working the opposite way as what our framers wanted it to be. All right. Thank you so much, and Tom. stopping all kind of progress. Well, thank you, sir. I, I agree with you in part and disagree in part, but you made an excellent comment. Thank you, Tom. I really appreciate that. 1-800-795-9565 is the open line. We have one caller waiting. We're going to turn him on in one moment here. We're going to turn him on, are we? Well, <laughs> I'm sure he's excited about that prospect. Turn the telephone line on. <laughs> and uh, we would invite you to email us at... Uh, on the mark at WKOK.com, and you can do as no one has done, and that's text us at 70236. Include the keyword OTM. Uh, Lance, you're on the mark. Thank you for waiting a short time. Go right ahead. I just turned on the uh, old speakerphone anyway and listened, so that Okay. Uh-huh. But uh, you realize that that electoral college is really what keeps us on a kind of even keel and what destroys the South American countries like crazy. You see, once somebody gets one more vote than the other side, mm -hmm. they um, put in a um, autocratic uh, rule that in the long run really destroys things. And this is uh, just, just it. It's, it's a tempering thing, really. So we got genius in the U.S. thanks to our framers of the Constitution. That's exactly right. Okay. You look at everything there where it's designed so that nobody ever really gets a full blast of what they want to do. That would be destructive no matter which side it was because you always have so many people that are just, you know, so dissatisfied that they eventually uh, do have a revolution. And this perpetual revolution, like in Argentina and Brazil, and, you know, you name them down there. And those were all folks that at one time were class acts, and they get a whole lot of folks that uh, think that rich folks shouldn't be rich folks, and that's what happens. They steal it once, and that's the end, and that's what 
the uh, woke folk here would like to do. All right. In Washington, D.C., what's your view on the voter ID laws that were being talked about, relatively relaxed laws? Oh, well, uh, what I think is that uh, we should have voter ID. I mean, shouldn't everybody want to know that the person that's voting is eligible to vote? Sure. And we should make sure that everybody has a special voter ID, no matter where they are. We ought to have a uh, specific squad of folks to go in and make sure that everybody gets one. All right. That's all. No, well, that's the right that's answer. It. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah okay. In my view. Now, something else here, like about this uh, the gender pro- gender-specific pronouns, what I always think is kind of odd is the woke folk seem to be quite incensed when you address them with their a gender-specific pronoun, right? They seem to really not like that. However, the folks, the trans folks, are very proud of the um, gender that they have chosen and desire, if you don't address them with the gender they've chosen, why you're in trouble. They don't like that very much, do they? Isn't that weird? <laughs> I don't know. That seems like a rather general generalization. I don't, it, I don't either. No, 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 really. Uh, if you uh, look uh, like our colleges, you know, you choose the pronouns you want to be addressed with. And it does seem like the uh, folks that prescribe themselves as woke um, don't like being addressed with their gender-specific pronoun. Well, they always say follow the science. The science indicates that there are basically male and females, and, you know, whatever. You you yelled follow the science all during the pandemic. Now when it comes to an issue like this, you don't want to follow the science. There's nobody's transgender. It's just whatever. Look down their pants, and there's your answer, Joe. I got you. No, look at their DNA. That's the answer. Oh, I got you. Yeah, you you need to bone up on that. Anyway, go ahead, Lance Worley. Let you have the very last word. Go right ahead. Okay, but uh, don't you uh, think it is a bit odd that we are supposed to respond to circumstances and like certain things specific to the plumbing we were born with? Doesn't that seem weird? We're obsessed with plumbing, whether it's bathrooms or, or uh, private yeah, parts. Right. <laughs> I thought private okay. parts were private. <laughs> May I borrow your utility bill so I can vote? <laughs> yeah, Joe's got to vote. All right. Thank okay. you so much, Lance. You bet. Cindy, you. next up. Thank you for waiting. Go right ahead. Good morning, gentlemen. Isn't it a beautiful morning? Stunner wow, of a day. It's a great day. Gorgeous. Have no you know, one here, of the but... previous callers made a comment about how the minority can be the tyranny over the majority and that this doesn't happen here in Pennsylvania. And I started laughing because just this morning I was reflecting on the fact that our governor has vetoed most of the legislation that's been passed in his term. I mean, this is just patently absurd. Every bill, it seems, I see the, go ahead and pass it, but I'm going to veto it, and it passes, and by golly, he vetoes it. He's been a roadblock to the progress of our Commonwealth now for seven years. He's been the voice Thank of reason, in other words. coming to an end. <laughs> He's not, where is compromise? Well, yeah, he's not a compromiser. There's no argument there. But I feel he's the voice of reason. And if Republicans in Harrisburg feel he's so onerous, they should override his vetoes. Well, you have well, to have... Well, once again, we fall into the game that they're playing down in uh, D.C. Not a game, but the reality. They have 50 Democrats and they have 50 Republicans. And here in Pennsylvania, we do not have a two-thirds majority of any one party in, in the uh, 
in the House or in the Senate. And consequently, they can't or rarely rise to the point of a override of the governor's veto. But no one can question the fact that our governor has spent his seven years, I think it is now, vetoing left and right. If there were a record, the man would be, you know, in the Hall of Fame of vetoing <laughs> legislation. His veto stamp is busy, but he wore it out. Well, I think he's vetoed a lot of onerous reg- legislation that should have been. There certainly have been some laws he vetoed that I thought were you know, worthy of consideration. And a few were overridden. Do you remember, was that uh, during the pandemic that one or two of the things he vetoed. Well, they had to do a constitutional amendment to get right. him to stop. Right. Well, that's what they're right. going to do with and ID the, now. And that was certainly should have been noticed to him because the majority of Pennsylvanians turned out to vote and said, no, we don't want you behaving this way. No, we don't want you to have unlimited power and to and to act in a unilateral fashion. That's not what we're looking for in governance. That's certainly not what I'm looking for in governance. Gotcha. All right. Thank but he, you so I don't much. think he got the message, Cindy, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, well, what message does he need? He does whatever he wants. He's a lame duck, so that's that. He says he's not getting back into politics, so he's, uh, his, the lessons he's learned will go into his biography, but that's about it. But uh, the consequences of his behavior will last for decades, centuries. I mean, his behavior provoked an amendment to the Constitution of the Commonwealth. Wow. And has another one pending. Yeah. Right. All right. That should be food for thought to any politician, that this is reflecting back to you that your behavior is not acceptable to the constituency. That's what it should say. To the majority. You've got to rethink what you're doing. Yep. All right. Thank you so much, Cindy. Thank you, Cindy. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Quickie break. Coming back with uh, three calls. Standing by. We'll be right back. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Welcome back to the KOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the Mark. We're going right to the phones to get uh, everybody at least two minutes. Chris, we'll start out with you. Go right ahead. Oh, well, didn't he had to laugh at somebody? I can only give her a sigh of resignation. The idea that uh, the gerrymandered districts in Pennsylvania represent a majority of the people compared to a governor who won by a majority of the people. Is there any contest which uh, actually represents a better majority? But don't you think he was repudiated by the po- the overwhelming passage of uh, the Constitution Amendment? In a primary Amendment? off-year election, he won by, they lost by, what, a few points? Oh, more than a few. Was it up to eight? It was three last time I was looking at it. I thought it was I more like six. but got, got up maybe to eight. Six to eight, somewhere in that neck of the woods. Yeah, exactly. 
and an off-year primary election, which wasn't really uh, uh, the the publicity on it was really kind of one-sided, and it was a result of his is uh, that one thing it was a result of an extraordinary situation like the pandemic. Okay, you got one minute left. Go ahead. So, and well. It, and you guys just sit there and nod at her. Yeah, but yeah. But she's right. Really, she's that right. That was really brilliant. I, I think she was right. I think the governor overstepped and the people reacted. Whether, you know, you could say, oh, it was an off-year primary election, but the governor certainly campaigned as hard as he could to get it defeated, and he, he lost. I don't think they put much money into it at all. No, no, reason. he didn't try to defeat it. He oh, no. It he was just happy that they were repudiating him. He was thrilled. We didn't say he was happy. I just said <laughs> he didn't waste any time or money campaigning for it. Anyway, go ahead, Chris. Yeah, and uh, when you talk about what's going on in the 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 Congress, uh, the Democrats are reacting, reacting to what the Republicans are doing across the country in state houses they include. They, they control and some of it's really bad and the Democrats compromised by uh, going for a national voter photo ID for voting in the mansion bill but that man uh, which something you Republicans have been clamoring for but were they willing to give anything on their side all right what, we got what, you, Chris. what in the bill would you eliminate in order to be able to to uh, vote for it all right. Thank you, Chris. Thank you so much for checking in. We've got to go to Than is the uh, next up two minutes. Go ahead. Hey, good morning, guys. Interesting prog- program. Uh, and, Joe, I was really proud of you there for a while. You seem to have forgotten about how you used to kind of giggle in the background about uh, people who are gay. And all, now I have never, never giggled about people who are who gay. Are trans. I have and never giggled about people who are gay or trans. Okay. I don't know what you're hearing, but it wasn't me doing that. Well, you've always questioned it, and, and I've got to... Well, I'm allowed to do that. Yeah, and I'm allowed to say you've got to learn more about science. They have figured out, and this is science, that there are well over... Uh, because of the genes and the uh, way that uh, sex is formed in the womb that there are many many outcomes and and so there is no just female and just male look at the science and then try not to repeat so what's that the thir- what is the third ge- give me a couple of these other genders there's male well, female and what else well, x y y that are genders, so actual again, genders. And then there would be gay, and then there would be uh, the mixed-up genes. Not the person's fault, but transgender and all the variants that are there. Uh, you, I can't explain it to you. I'm not a science. But I do look at science now and then to get an explanation. Well, I haven't seen one that said there was a third or fourth sex. All right. Well, no, because I'll bet you don't look for one that says anything. <laughs> Wrap up, Stan. Go right ahead. Wrap up. Go ahead. Okay. And please get a vaccination, for Lord's sake. Uh, in fact, let's say I think that people think that God is going to keep them from this virus. Actually, God sent the answer, if that's how you feel. And that's the vaccine. 
All right. Thank you so much, Stan. Appreciate that. Al, last caller of the day. Go right ahead. You get the same two minutes everybody got. Oh, good. Thank you. Uh, well, I always called him King Thomas, and that I figured it out it's because we didn't have the filibuster, and he got away with being a king. King that Tom. Of, boom, boom, boom. Yeah, that kind of... He king was acting Tom. like a king. And that... Uh, that we had to do a constitutional amendment to get rid of it, and it took a long time, and it was a lot of damage over his uh, internship. Anyways, uh, that's all I have to say about that. But the latest news is Google has been uh, financing the lab in Wuhan through uh, one of the doctors there, one of the American doctors that tribute to it for the last ten years. All right, good for them. All right, anything else? Good for them. <laughs> well, Google, and if, Google and if wants to try and find it. You can find it some places, but other places, you Google it, and it's already been taken down with like three views, and it was on nine minutes until they caught it. Well, Google so science. No sensor and everything, and and uh, I think it's a bigger plan than and, and uh, Trump screwed it up by getting the. Uh, vaccination too quick for it or else they they plan on a lot more people dying oh good for him so we we owe him correct who was planning on we people dying we owe him somebody we owe him and we owe him for this movement that's about to happen and didn't quit yet Okay. All right, we got you, sir. Thank you so much for checking in. That takes care of Al. That takes care of the whole show. We have open phones tomorrow, right? 100% open phones. Yes. Well, One of our listeners sends us a text. Almost open phones, you always say. Two, yeah, nearly open phones. Chris, boo who? Says one of our texter. I guess that uh, I forget the context, but uh, appreciate about the, the governor. I would suspect. appreciate the text. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank Leonard Steinhorn. Thank Joe McGranahan. He now gets to resume uh, his great day. This is WKOK Sunbury.